The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com, and I'm delighted to be back again with you for another week. Uh, first, I'd like to say a big thank you to Christine Marsh for joining me last week to talk about how to deal with people when people's skills don't come naturally. Now, this week, I was with a, a client, Stephen, that I've been working with in different ways for over eight years now. And it's fascinating going into his office, which has lots of pictures of his three children, uh, because each time I visit, the children have just grown that bit older. And uh, now remembering them being very young children, and actually one of them being born, the eldest is now almost an adult. As you get older, it seems that time just flies by. Now, Stephen's been the managing director of the same company for eight years, during which he's, he's changed enormously, and his results today are just phenomenal. And it shows the benefits of having consistent leadership. We just had a football manager, Alex Ferguson of Manchester United, um, uh, retire. And after, I think, 25 years or something uh, like that, um, as being the, the manager of that team, there's been ups and downs. But actually, you know, that consistent performance, I think, really makes a difference. Now, Stephen directs the business on behalf of a very successful family business empire that first began in 1849. And he reminded me of my own journey as he has witnessed my ups and downs of my life and remarked yesterday about how tenacity and focus always win out. We sat there proud of what we'd achieved over eight years. They say success comes to those who wait. Don't wait, though. Just keep moving forward and realize that progress at times might seem slow, but over eight years, it can be something else. Measuring success on one year's performance alone is really conclusive. You have to see the big picture. Now, my guest today is someone who's shown great tenacity. Um, and we're going to talk about how to build a business that will run without you. And he's achieved that. It took my guest, entrepreneur Steve Abel, eight businesses to develop a truly innovative business opportunity in parcels for delivery and to put in place foundations for a business that could run without him and achieve massive growth. While planning this show with Steve, I was fascinated about his truly entrepreneurial approach. Also, how from his early experiences he had learned to grow a business that was more than self-employment, that employs a growing, capable team with systems that mean its success is no longer dependent on him working all hours. Born in suburban Britain and brought up under the strict but loving care of his parents, Steve Bainbold seems to have been cut out for an entrepreneurial future from the start. He says he endured school while enjoying a succession of part-time jobs and really flourished, when, with little need for encouragement, he set up his first business at 17. With a clear vision of where he wanted his life to go, Steve embraced hard work as he drove down several business paths in the search for success. 
from second-hand TVs and washing machines to trying his hand as a property investor and a horse-racing tipster. It was not until he spotted an opportunity to link the internet with a problem getting deliveries arranged that he created a truly successful, sustainable business. Steve drives for success, his drive for sex, brought, brought material wealth and the chance to enjoy the trappings of success, drive supercars he long dreamed of owning and super racing bi- motor racing bikes as well for my conversation uh, a little earlier with him. There's been some personal cost though with divorce from his first wife, but he remains a committed family man on close terms with his daughters. With business success has come the opportunity to spend more time inspiring, helping and mentoring others through sharing his story. Uh, welcome to Steve Abel. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me on here. Very excited. And wow, what an amazing introduction. I feel, uh, I feel in awe of hearing that introduction. It's very, very good. Thank you. You're very welcome. Now, now Steve, um, I, I, believe, I believe your daughters are collecting awards today, and it's my fault that you're not able to be there with them. So I just wondered if uh, the least I could do is just to give you the opportunity to say a few words to them if you want Absolutely. to. Absolutely. I'm holding you completely responsible, Chris. Um, they are. They're picking up uh, an, uh, two awards today. I've actually just received um, some photographs from my parents because they are there at the assembly. Uh, my eldest, Jasmine, she's picking up a gold award. And my youngest, Sophie, who's nine, she's picking up a platinum award. So uh, unfortunately, I couldn't make it. But um, it, it's good to see. I, I've seen the pictures and uh, they seem very pleased with their achievements, which is fantastic. Many congratulations to uh, Sophie and Jasmine. Thank you. <laughs> so, Steve... Do you want to tell us about your childhood and you know, tell us a bit about how you became interested in becoming an entrepreneur? Right. Well, to be completely honest, uh, I didn't even, even know what the word entrepreneur meant until I was about 16. And I, I'll tell you how that came about. Um, I didn't do very well at school. I'm, I wasn't a dropout by all means, but I didn't come out with like, high grades or anything. Um, and at the age of 16, uh, I lived with my parents uh, on a road in uh, a, a town called Banbury uh, in the UK. And, but the, the locals nicknamed this road Millionaire's Row. Now, that wasn't the name of the road, and we didn't live in a million-pound house. We lived in a very nice house, don't get me wrong, but my bedroom overlooked these houses on the other side of the road, which were all very big million-pound houses. And so, like, don't forget, I'm only 15, 16 years of age, so success to me is you know, Ferraris, Porsches, just like it, most 15, 16-year-old boys, it, how it would be for them. And during the, during the week, I'd see nice cars coming out of the driveways. And at the weekends, you'd see your flash cars coming out. And I asked the question, you know, who lives in these houses? What is it these people do differently to what my, my parents do, or what other people, people do, how they can afford this type of lifestyle? And so I started getting the responses like, um, CEO of a blue chip company, uh, bank managers, barristers, solicitors, you know, people who have worked very, very hard to eventually achieve this level of success. But then I heard this word entrepreneur and I thought, well, what's that? And so at the, literally at the age of 17, um, without having any uh, jobs at all, I've never been employed, I set up my very first company at the age of 17, uh, selling reconditioned televisions. So that, that's, that's my start. <laughs> Do you want me to carry on? Or? <laughs> well, did, did, your, did your father have a kind of entrepreneurial background? Yes, very much so. So I, I, do, I do believe that uh, it's, it's helpful to have a, a really good role model. And uh, I know he's listening right now. And, uh, yeah, I'm very lucky to have a dad like that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, for me, when I was growing up, um, I didn't ever, I think I saw million pound houses for quite quite a number of years of my life. But but um mm. you know, 
for, for me and my family, it was always about getting a job and uh, one day retiring. Yeah, well, I, th I think for me, um, before I, I even thought about have being interviewed for a job, I just knew the best salary that I could get my hands on, that's if, it, if anyone would literally entertain the idea of employing me, was £12,000 a year. Now, £12,000 a year isn't going to fund a Porsche anytime soon. It's not going to fund a Ferrari or the lifestyle which I wanted at that age. So if, if you like, I was a daydreamer. I got called a daydreamer at school all the time. And do you know what? Daydreaming, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Uh, it's, it's a, everyone should daydream, in my opinion. And I'll probably move on to that a bit later. But I just knew, something inside me, I just knew that I could earn more than £12,000 a year just using the, uh, the, the theory of buying for a pound and selling for two. So I just knew £12,000 was, was easily achievable working for myself. That uh, makes an awful lot of sense. So t t tell us, you, you mentioned this uh, TV and there's a washing machine business. And I wonder from those early kind of entrepreneurial adventures, what were the lessons that you learned? Um, right. Well, from, from, with, with the washing machines, what lessons did I learn? At the time, it's, um, it was really, really good fun um, with, with, with the washing machines. And, and I found... We're buying them, just to start from the beginning, we're buying them for £50 and they're already reconditioned. Uh, so these are like old washing machines around about five, six years of age. And they're broken down and they've been reconditioned. We're buying for £50, sell them for about £130. So there's, there's your profit margin. Then it got to the point where, you know, we, we can learn how to fix these ourselves. So we're buying them in for £5 or £10, reconditioning them ourselves for less than a £5 on occasions. And then we would then still sell them for £130, £150. So we'd increase our profit margins. Now, we did that the same with the TVs before the washing machines. Sorry, I wasn't very clear. We did the TVs first, and then we moved them to the washing machines. And the reason we did that is because with brand new TVs back then, oh, when were we talking, 1992? Um, Back then, TVs were extremely expensive to buy in the shops. So buying a second-hand one, all fully reconditioned with a six-month guarantee for £130, was, um, was a bargain. But then all the new TVs in the shops started getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And so we could feel um, that our prices were getting closer to the new prices. And, we, and you could feel the sales slowly dropping. So that's when we moved on to washing machines and fridge freezers, domestic appliances. Uh, I think I, I started to identify the difference between a want and a need. So a TV, okay, some people will probably say it's a need, it's a necessity, but it's not really. <laughs> it's, it's very much a want, whereas a fridge, freezer, a washing machine is more of a necessity. So you're going to find um, it's, it's, it's a much easier product to sell. And so, um, so what lessons did I learn? Um, I can't put that into words, really. <laughs> the lessons I learned, I was just, at that age, I, I was literally between 17, 21 years of age, and I was literally just, just keeping that mindset of, buying for a pound, selling for two, and just trying to grow, grow a sustainable business. Well, tell us a bit about what was, was quite ingenious, uh, was this, um, this kind of refurbishment of the washing machines. And you, you, put, you put on a training course, didn't you, for people to do yeah. that. Well, it was quite fascinating what you yeah, did. Yeah, well, well I, I, as you know, Chris, I, I do a lot of um, professional speaking, and uh, it's, it's one of the things that I do now. And, and uh, I, I say to the room, you know, how do you increase productivity without increasing your costs. Uh, so usually to increase productivity, you employ staff and to, to, do, to do more work with you, but that's increasing your costs. So what my dad and I cleverly did together 
And to be completely honest, it was more his idea, but we both did it together. Is we um we put an advert into um uh, magazines or uh, not the auto trader. It's a magazine called the Exchange in March. Also into a, a targeted magazines for um the British troops who were coming out of the army and they needed to start their own career. And so we would advertise to them to come on a one week's training course how to fix washing machines. And you would pay me. £1,000 to learn the trade. And at the end of that week, you would go away and you would be, you, you'd be a fully qualified washing machine engineer. Is it, they're so easy to fix washing machines. They're, they're, not, they're not difficult at all. Uh, now, here's the clever bit. So we were working out of a warehouse where we could store thousands of washing machines, literally thousands of broken washing machines, which we were buying for literally next to nothing. Um, and all these guys would come on a course, let's say 10, 15 guys on a course, and sometimes women too. And... Um, on day one, we'll teach you the theory of how to fix a washing machine. On day two, sorry, on day one, the theory, day two was the practical. You start fixing the washing machines. And to be completely honest, that's all you needed. However, because they were there on the course, we then said, look, you know, we can do day three and four and five. Whilst, whilst we were doing day three, four and five, they were fixing all of the broken washing machines in our warehouse. So <laughs> once the course was over... We had all these working washing machines, which we were then selling out to the public. So don't you think that's ingenious? <laughs> I think it's fantastic. But to be, to be completely, completely honest, um, it, it's all hats off to my dad for that one. It's his idea. But you know, I, I've, I, I've learned a lot from him. And did anybody cotton on to what you were doing? No, not at all. Um, uh, training, no, training schools were, were, were pop, pop, uh, pinging up all around the country, to be, to be fair. Um, I think we were the first ones to do it. And... Uh, so we were like charging a thousand pounds, and then you see uh, other company pop up and you're charging three hundred pounds, um, which you know it, it just got to the point where um, it, I think I came out of the industry because it got to the point where the brand new washing machines, just like the TVs, and I knew this was going to happen, um, but the the TVs were getting cheaper, the washing machines were getting cheaper to buy brand new, and uh, so it became harder to sell second hand reconditioned washing machines but during that time because I, I committed a good five six seven actually probably eight years on washing machines um you know i, I actually am a, a properly qualified washing machine engineer so I, I know what it's like to to you know to graft and get on my hands and knees and uh, pull washing machines out change motors and pumps and drive belts because i've done that so um but yeah it, it, it came to the point a lot later on where, where where i decided to knock that on the head because i had another business opportunity which was um which was growing, so, so uh, I decided to knock that on the head eventually. So was that fridge freezers, the next one? Um, fridge freezers all at the same time as the washing machines, to be fair. Um, the fridge freezers, um, that, that was, um, yeah, it, it's exactly the same as washing machines. We're buying them in a game, reconditioned, eventually got to the point where we're reconditioning ourselves and then selling them out to the general public um, and making good profits on them. Um, but would you like me to tell you the story I told you um, last week about the <laughs> which, <laughs> which you might think was unethical. <laughs> I actually, I was going to ask you that question. Was what it was? I think, right. I read, yeah, because because well, was fascinating, and I, well, I enjoyed reading in your book as well. Yeah, well, it's uh, thanks for plugging that for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I am um, right. Whether it's unethical or not, I think that's down to various people's opinions. But I definitely learned something from this. So I had a shop, a very small shop, and by this time I was completely working by myself, and. Uh, I had washing machines in my shops. It's like in my shop, and I had fridge freezers in the shop. Now I could sell easily ten, fifteen washing machines a, a week. Not a problem. 
Uh, and then that's a lot of deliveries, believe me, because I was delivering them myself as well. I was just working by myself. Um, fridge freezers, I was only selling about one or two. I'd be lucky if I sold two in a week. Now, these fridge freezers, now we've all heard of frost-free fridge freezers. But when I was selling them, frost-free was, was a buzzword. It was very new. No one could afford one. I won't say no one could afford them, but they were very expensive. And because they're a very new thing, you had a few of them you know, going wrong quite early on in, 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 in their life, if you like, of a fridge freezer. And so I was buying them in £50, and I was, had them in the shop for £175, so really good margins. Now, to buy them new, they're £600, so they're quite easy to sell. But I wasn't selling enough, so I thought, well, while my mum and dad are on holiday, because <laughs> I was still living with them, my parents, they just had a brand new kitchen fitted. And uh, I thought, well, what we can do is, um, when they're on holiday, I'm going to put an advert in the local paper, and I'm going to advertise these frost-free fridge freezers for £300. So in the shop, they're 175 I'm going to advertise them for 300 Now, I'm not going to advertise them as um, a, a fridge freezer with a, a six-month guarantee that you're buying it from a trader. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to advertise it as a private sale. And the reason that my parents are selling this fridge freezer is because they've just had a brand new kitchen with an integrated fridge freezer. So they just didn't want to get rid of the old one. Now, you're probably thinking this sounds really, really bad. But why is it I had no problem selling four or five of these fridge freezers every weekend? The phone went mad. People wanted to pay £300 for a fridge freezer, which I wasn't lying about the age of it. It really was as new as it was. And it, but not only that, it, it had been fully serviced by a qualified engineer. And it would normally have a six-month guarantee put on the work. But obviously, I couldn't say it's got a six-month guarantee because I was selling it from my parents' house as a private sale. But people were, were prepared to pay £300 for something with no guarantee instead of paying 175 something, which was serv- you know, known as serviced and got a six-month guarantee. I, I'm a bit bewildered by it. I don't quite understand it. But it's just, um, yeah. What do you make of it, Chris? <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it's quite fascinating, Steve. And I think it, you know, it kind of shows you know, this entrepreneurial mindset, which you know, might come across as being a bit cheeky, a bit close to the wind uh, for, yeah. for, for, it, for some of us. But, um, and do you know what I found really amusing about the whole thing is, is when you had um, a, well, a customer, wasn't a customer, was it? But I suppose it was a customer coming into my parents' house. And they would see the fridge freezer and they go, oh, I like it, I like it. And then they'd start trying to negotiate on the price. I thought, oh, well, you knocked £20 off, £30 off. And little did, did, did they know that I had four or five more fridge freezers lined up in the garage. <laughs> yeah. So I would say, well, I've got another customer. I've got, I've got someone else who called for this earlier and they're literally coming here in half an hour, which they were. They really were. Um, so I said, uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd rather wait and see if, if they want it. If they want it, so so I, I just had no need to to negotiate at all, um, because it was it was too good to be true. And not only that, I didn't even have to deliver it. They put the back seats down in their car and take it away themselves. <laughs> anyway, well, well, we're going to go to commercial break now, and after the break, sure. we'll start getting into you know into some of the different uh, learnings and thoughts and ideas as you as you keep on developing your entrepreneurial experience and and uh, and build P four D. So we're we'll back with you again in just a couple of minutes. Thank you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? 
Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you, like most Americans, spend the majority of your life at work? Are you making it the joy that it deserves to be, or are you feeling drained and unfocused? Tune in to A Great Place to Work with hosts Kurt Kaufman and Dr. Kathy Sorensen. Your hosts have more than 30 years of experience in workplace consulting and are ready to bring you the secrets and success stories of businesses who are making their business a great place to work. Listen every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and enjoy a better workplace and a better life. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Steve Abel. We're talking about how to build a business that will run without you. Uh, Steve, I wonder if you could tell me, I'm kind of intrigued. You've got a book called Big Fish, Little Fish, a beautifully presented book. And I wondered, you know, how did the title come about? Ah, right. Well, that is actually all down to my girlfriend, Roberta, who I know is listening right now as well. <laughs> um, um, as you know, I, I do a lot of speaking. And um, when, when I'm out and I'm speaking to audiences, and I, I like to position myself so, so they know exactly who I am and, and, and what position I'm speaking from, uh, because no one knows who Steve Abel is. However, if I said the name Richard Branson, you know exactly who that is. And Richard Branson, he's a big fish. Yeah. Now, I'm a small fish, I'm a, or, or sorry, a little fish, and, and I speak about this, this metaphor about the fish in the ocean. So your big fish is Richard Branson out in the deep ocean, you know, the real big successful guys, and, then, and women, excuse me, and then your, your little fish are your small businesses, uh, like the businesses that I've had, the eight businesses that I've had, it's very much like the little fish all swimming around the shallow waters in the ocean, and we're all struggling to get business. Uh, but we're all very much uh, inspired by the big fish, and we're looking out on the horizon, and we want to get out there. We, we, we want to sw- try and swim out there and enjoy that kind of lifestyle. 
but it's also difficult because every time we try, a wave comes crashing in and smacks us against the rocks. And I know too well, only too well, what it's like to be smashed against the rocks many times, as you know, uh, eight businesses before I got to my very successful business. So I regard myself as the little fish that's jumped the final breaker. You know, I'm not out in the deep ocean. I'm not a big fish, but I'm a fish which is in the, the calm, shallow, sorry, the calm, deeper waters on the other side of the, the choppy waters. And I've got what I class as a business that runs without me. So, and as, as you know, I stepped down as managing director for Parcels for Delivery last year. So we've got a new MD in there who does a much better job than I do, to be completely fair. Um, my my uh, niche is starting companies. I love starting them. I love the, 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 the thrill, the chase of starting a new business. But running them isn't for me. And that's a, a new thing I've only just recently learned. So that's how Big Fish came, came about. And uh, as I was writing the book, I thought, well, what should I call it? It's all written. I didn't know what to call it. And my girlfriend said... Um, well, I think you should call it Big Fish, Little Fish. I thought, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that, that, that's how it came about. Excellent. Well done, Roberta. Uh, so in, in, in your book, you recommend in deciding on your passions. And you've obviously done a number of different things. How did you, how did you do it and follow through with P4D? Well, I, I think, and I do apologize if I go off on tangents, Chris. It's just, that's just the way my mind works. So you might have to reel me back in again. Um, for, I, I just find that all my smaller businesses that I've had, and I'm generalizing it here as well about other people who are struggling with their business or struggling in their jobs, that we all kind of like worked to try and pay the bills, to try and afford just to pay the bills. And we find that that's all we can ever afford, just to pay the bills. And we have to look further. We have to, um, we have to, we have to try and think of a bigger picture, a bigger vision, and... Um, not just try and work to pay the bills, if that, if that makes any sense. A lot of sense. Yeah? Yeah. Um, and so for me, which we'll probably come on to a bit later about my, my, my business plans, is a lot of people, a lot of people don't have business plans, but a lot of people have business plans, but it's all about their work. And, and they're wondering, you know, why isn't my business growing? Why isn't it getting any bigger? And whereas my business plans are very... Um, they're very personal. They're, very, they're about my core values. That, that they, they are um, they're about my lifestyle, what I want out of life. My, my business plans aren't about my business, but I wrap my work around my business plans, if that makes any sense. And we can come on to that a bit later, maybe. Mm, great, great. I love the, I love the fish uh, metaphor. I think that's, uh, that's a really good, you know, really good thing. And I think you know, what you say there about people who are in a job they're just paying the bills and, and actually you're absolutely right it's you know, it's keeping thinking about that bigger vision to yeah. to get get yourself beyond that breaker absolutely uh, yeah focus on the on the on focus on a much bigger p- picture focus on something which actually seems unrealistic because you know i've been called a daydreamer and someone who is very unrealistic all my life and i'm very proud of that actually so you've got to have your big um, unrealistic goals and then there's a ways you can achieve them by, by putting in a, what I call my lollipop system. You, I can talk about it now. We can come into it later if you like, Chris. But um, it's all about uh, putting achievable bite-sized chunks in place, step, putting achievable steps in process to achieve your unrealistic goal. And then you w- will eventually reach them. So, so why do you call it your lollipop system? Right. Okay. <laughs> You're going to get me <laughs> on my soapbox now. Okay. Reason being is, right, as a, as a child... Um, if you said to, to a child, right, if you do this for me, I want you to do this bit of hard work for me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reward you with a bag of sweets. Yeah? So, so we're talking children language here. 
And a child would think, oh, excellent, excellent. So if I do that hard work for, for mum or dad, I'm going to get a bag of sweets. Now, if you don't give them that bag of sweets, they're not going to feel very incentivized the next time you ask them to do something, are they? And I think that, that same thing is in our brains still. Where it, it, it's just society's kind of like kicked it out of us as we've got older. So, the reason, so going back onto the business plan, you have to have lollipops in place. So you, you have your great big vision, where, where you want to get to, and then you, you look at where you are now and you, you be very, very realistic. How much debt am I in? How bad is my business actually um, operating right now? And then what we're going to do is we're going to join point A to point B. We're going to see, right, what do I need to do? We need achievable bite-sized pieces. And then and you, and you put, like, let's say, two or three months on them. So, right, I can achieve this bite-sized goal within three months. I think I can do that. And, it, and when you achieve it, and, and you, you get specific about how to achieve it, you then reward yourself with a lollipop. Now, the lollipop's a metaphor. It's not actually a lollipop. It's, it, it's something which is personal to you. And I remember my first lollipop, and it was £50 spending money in a particular clothes shop. So, and I remember I, I, bought, I bought those clothes, and I thought, excellent, you know, and, and this is all according to my business plan. And then I had the, the incentive to do my next one, and then my next one, and then my next one. And finally... My, my very last lollipops on my business plan was, I hope you don't mind me saying, blowing my trumpet here, but it was Naston Martin. I wanted Naston Martin really badly. Now, I'm not trying, my, my, my uh, goals have very much changed now. This is going back uh, quite a few years now, but that's what I wanted. I wanted the house in the countryside and Aston Martin. But then my work was wrapped around it. But I also worked out that the lifestyle that I wanted, which involved the Aston Martin and the house, I needed to be earning a certain salary every month, okay, and, it, and that was a lot of money. Then I connected my, my, my work to it, and I thought, right, so how big does my company need to be? What turnover does my company need to be, need, need to be doing? What profit does it need to be doing? And so using a calculator, I, work, I, I worked out, oh, well, the day I can afford an Aston Martin and have that house in the countryside and have the lifestyle to go with it, my company is going to have to be doing one million turnover a year. So at least I had a clear vision. It's all written down on paper of where I needed to get to. But rather than just say, right, here I am at point A. I'm kind of broke and uh, I've got an idea. I'm going to work hard until I get the Aston Martin. I broke it down into bite-sized pieces and kept on rewarding myself for the lollipop along the way to keep myself incentivized to get there. I think it's really good advice, that Steve. Yeah. Re- really good advice. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> very very well well put. I'm also interested in understanding your kind of attitude towards debt because you know some entrepreneurs are prepared to take on significant amounts of debt to achieve their dream, and sometimes they seem to take on more risk than yeah. others. Um, what's your attitude towards it? it? It doesn't scare me at all. Um, I know what it's like to you know, borrow money with no means of getting it back. I know what it's like to get a credit card and not being able to pay it back. Now, uh, so I wouldn't advise doing that, but um, I think um, I'm actually not old enough to remember Margaret Thatcher when she was a prime minister. I remember her. I was only a child, but um, I think she once said it it always pays to borrow to invest. Have you heard that saying before? Yeah. Uh, I I think she said that anyway, but um, if you you can borrow at at, at a good rate and invest at a high rate, well, that's a no-brainer. So I do prefer to use other people's money than my own. However, that said... With my businesses, I haven't – oh, maybe I have borrowed money, but I, I haven't gone out and actually looked for investment from people. I've started everything from scratch. 
I've got an uncanny way of turning business ideas and visions into quick cash-making businesses. So they, they start turning cash over very, very quickly. Um, but, but with the borrowing, no, I, I, I remember I bought a house on credit cards once, and I did it just for a laugh, <laughs> just, 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 just because I, I knew I could. And it did my credit scoring the world of good. Uh, and that's the reason why I did it. It was a, it was a case of I was, I was building a property portfolio. It's another business that I had. And um, I knew I had the mortgage. The, 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 the lender had the money ready for me to buy the house. I had the deposit. And I thought, oh, whilst we're waiting, what I'm going to do is I'm going to max all my credit cards. So I had nearly £100,000 in my bank account, which is all cash forwarded from my credit cards. And I bought this house. And, uh, and then when the money came through from the, from the mortgage company, I just paid off all my credit cards. So I didn't pay any interest at all. And you're thinking, what's the point of that? Well, was later on, that was all part of my plan where I needed very good credit scoring to go and buy this nice big house in the countryside. And uh, I needed uh, all the lenders to look at me and do a credit check and say, oh, yeah, he's good for it. So that's the reason why I did it. But no, I'm, I'm not scared of borrowing money at all. Uh, if you, as long as you've got your business plan and you've written it all down and it all makes sense and you really believe your business is going to be a huge success, um, then you, you do whatever it takes. And uh, so if you're going to borrow money, just, just, just make sure you know how much you're paying back and, uh, and, and you make sure you pay back when you, when you say you're going to pay back. I'd like, to, I'd like to kind of move on to working long hours. Maybe, mm. you, should, maybe you could share with us what it took to build P4D because you put in phenomenal hours and it had consequences. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, when I'm out on the road and I'm speaking in front of audiences, um, I get asked the same question a lot. It's actually, I used, to get, I used to get asked this question before I became a speaker. And people used to ask me the question, Steve, how did you do it? Because I managed to take a business idea, turn it into a vision, and my, the business P4D, Parcels for Delivery, turned over, turned over its first million in the second year. And, uh, you know, and, and as you know, because I explained my business plan, that meant I was driving around in an Aston Martin as well. So I, I, I looked like I was very successful. Now, sorry, can you ask me the question one more time? I think the, the question is really, you know, is, wor- long hours, is, is, long working, hours. is working long hours right. essential for, yes. you know, successful right. business startup is the question I was really yeah. moving this so, towards. So, so I used to turn around, I used to say hard work. Now, not realizing that can really annoy people. If you say hard work, you'll get there. Because I know there are people out there who work harder than I do. They're they're keeping down three or four jobs at the same time and they can barely afford to pay the bills. Now, I think that's insane. I think that's crazy. Um, The difference with me is I will work all the hours that I need to work if I've got a business plan that I'm working to. So don't forget, I had this business plan. I could see, uh, not an exit strategy, but I could see the end of how my, how my lifestyle will be by the time I achieve my final goal, my final lollipop. So I did work very long hours. I'm not advocating this is the way to do it, but I remember the, the days where I was um, getting up at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning, starting my day, motivating myself, doing all the work that I needed to do, um, and then... I used to work work out that I'd be up until about three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning working um, because cause I had to, um, to, to basically do what I needed to do. And on occasions, when you're, when you're that focused and that engaged in your work, you do forget to eat. 
and you find 24 hours goes past and you've completely forgotten to, 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 to have a meal. And I remember on occasions, this, this is years ago when I, I was married, and uh, my wife at the time used to actually spoon feed me whilst I was working because I didn't have time to stop. Um, so, <laughs> which, you know, gets a few laughs sometimes when, when, when I'm, I'm out on the road and uh, uh, d- d- doing talks. Uh, but, but occasionally, I, I remember I used to work right through the night as well. So you find yourself on a project, and uh, before you know it, it's 6 a.m., the birds are singing outside, and you've got a meeting at half past eight, and you haven't been to bed. So, um, but, yeah, I'm not saying that's the only way to achieve success, Chris, but, but by all means, but it, it's what I did. I, I think I just had this very strong vision, so strong I could see it. Not only see it, I could taste it, um, and I, I knew it was achievable. I had such strong belief that, that I was going to achieve it, and I just wanted to get there as fast as I could. You were completely and utterly wrapped up in it, weren't you? I was, yeah, completely. <laughs> so, well, so we've got only got three minutes to a commercial break now. But mm. uh, you know, what what was the turning point in terms of kind of building the foundations for a business that didn't need you? Um, to be completely honest, boredom, and I don't think m- many entrepreneurs would be surprised by that. Um, we do get bored, and and um, I, I got bored. Um, it's a case of that the business was doing ever so well. We're turning over millions of pounds a year. Um, and we got to the stage where there's like about 15, 16 staff. And I just don't enjoy managing. I don't enjoy managing staff. I don't, I don't enjoy running it. Um, and I need to get out. And I started networking. Conscious of time here, so I'll try and finish this quickly. I started networking. And I, I, I had a marketing manager starting to work for me. And she said, Steve, you know, you're twiddling your thumbs. You've got nothing to do. Get out there and start networking. And that then led on to the public speaking. Um, and uh, then I started thinking, no, I really enjoy this, giving something back, helping other entrepreneurs. And um, so I decided to kind of like put an extra strategy together and actually say, you know, do you know what, guys, you're doing a much better job of running this business than I am. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step down as MD and uh, just oversee it now. So I still own the company, but um, there's a new MD in place now. And uh, I think there's 22 staff now. So it's, uh, it's growing uh, really, really well without me even being there. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So we're going to go to a commercial break now, but after the break, we're going to come back with some some more lessons from um, Steve and some of his kind of top top tips. So we'll be back again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One to one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops, and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities 
properties and real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, it's Chris Cooper, BeMoreAchieveMore.com. I'm with Steve Abel. We're talking about how to build a business that will run without you. And we're, we're going to get deep now. Uh, Steve, <laughs> <laughs> what, what lessons did you learn from your success at P4D and, and then your sort of subsequent uh, midlife crisis? So I'm sure you weren't actually even midlife by that point. but Midlife? Who says, I have, who's, who says I've had a midlife crisis? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, uh, actually, you know, I'm 37 years of age, and yes, I, I did. I had my live, midlife crisis at 33. Um, and it, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> I think it was because, although I really, really um, uh, endorsed my lollipop system, it's a great way of, 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 of making your, your vision uh, happen, um, I... Um, I had the wrong things in place. Uh, I had the wrong values in place. So my values have changed a hell of a lot from Aston Martins and having all the nice materialistic things. Now, don't get me wrong, I have lovely materialistic things, but they're not the be or end all more anymore in my life. The most important things to me now are the relationships with my parents, my girlfriend, my children, um, and yeah, having nice holidays away with them, quality time, that's the most important thing. And everything else is just, you know, the fluffy stuff on the out- outside, which is, which is great. Um, but I say lesson, lessons learned. Um, I, completely honest, I know it sounds very naive and very stupid of me. I really believed that by the time I had this lifestyle, driving the car of my dreams and having the house uh, that, that I wanted, I really thought everything else would just clunk into place. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I was really, really wrong. And that, that was kind of like the start of my, my, my breakup with my ex-wife. And obviously, I don't want to talk about that today, though, please. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was like a, a huge turning curve for me, a massive learning curve. Um, I, I'd lost everything apart from the business. And, um, you know, I've been spending the last couple, couple of years, three or four years, um, building that all back up again and, um, and uh, resetting a whole, new, a whole new set of core values, really. Yeah, it's, it, it seems. Uh, I mean, it seems quite a you know, a normal thing actually to have these d- 
different points in your life. And I remember someone talking about some Indian kind of beliefs that you have a, a crisis usually between the age of 28 and 32 and then 38 and uh, 42. And I think for me it was 28 and 38. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, you, so it may not be your last one. <laughs> no, but it could be of a different nature, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and actually some t- what we do is we kind of renew and we, we maybe drop into an abyss for a bit and we kind of learn and we grow and then it makes us stronger enables us to move move forward so mm. it's, it's quite a quite a natural a natural thing i think um now you've got some from reading your book you have some tips for building motivation within um one of those was uh you know it was around turning your rain into sunshine so how do you go about yeah. doing that Right. Well, this is this is stuff I've picked up from Tony Robbins, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners have heard of Anthony Robbins, uh, uh, an amazing guy. Uh, but it, this is years ago when I started listening to his CDs, and I saw him live in New York as well a few years ago. Um, so this is very much my own words here, and um, and this is the way I get it across. And don't, don't forget, I'm speaking from practical, not from theory. So I'm not just like telling you what Anthony Robbins says. I'm, I'm telling you what I have applied, and it's actually worked. So. Um, the way I kind of like readdress it is um, if, if, if you take, if, if, if you, let's say in the morning when you wake up in the morning, okay, and uh, if the sun is shining, yeah, oh, sorry, no, start again, scale of 1 to 10, 1 being miserable, 10 being really happy, let's just generalize and say we generally wake up in the morning at 5, so we're like, we, we don't know which way the day is going to go. If we open the curtains and it's sunny, then we allow that, that our mood to take us to a 6 or a 7. If it's raining, we allow it to affect us to a three or four. Uh, now, don't forget, I'm just generalizing here. Now, but now, how dare we allow the weather to tell us how we're going to feel at the, the start of our day? We have to take control of that. So what, what I do is, um, is try, try, try and imagine um, all of your thoughts on like a desktop. So if you close your eyes, I'm not asking you to close your eyes right now, but if you close your eyes... And you, you can see all your successful thoughts on a desktop, and you can see all your negative thoughts, like little thumbnails on a desktop. And we're, what we're going to do is we're going to compartmentalize all the negative stuff down into a little black box in our mind's eye. And then we're going to compartmentalize all of the successful stuff, the stuff which takes us up to a 10, and we're going to put that in a gold box in our mind's eye. And then what we're going to do is we're going to reflect on that gold box every morning when we get out of bed, and we apply an anchor to it. Now, I haven't got time to go through all the anchoring mechanisms that I've done, but... I've done something which basically takes me to, that, to those successes every morning so I can get myself in the zone, if you like, and I can like, literally turn my rain into sunshine and just start the day off as I need to be. It's also something, let's say you've had a terrible phone call and it's quite depressing or you've been having a conversation with someone it's really got you down, but you've got a meeting in half an hour with someone who you really need to influence. So you can't go in there with all that rubbish in your head which is making you feel quite sad and negative. You've got to change your rain into sunshine and literally reflect on all the successes in your life. So we're not faking it. We're not, you know, some people say, oh, let's fake it to make it. No, it's not because we're using real life experiences, which you are responsible for. And you're going to reflect on that right now and get yourself in the state you were the day it happened. And a really, really good um, thing to have in your mind to think of, just so you know what a 10 is like, a premiership for a premiership premiership a football player or a soccer player depending who's listening um when they go out and they're you know they they're the main striker when they go out in the field and they want to score a goal they probably psych themselves up and they think they're at a 10 but they're not they're probably at a six or a seven when they score the goal 
Now, can you see the difference between the 6 and the 7 and the 10? Because they've scored the goal. What are they doing? They're jumping up down the field doing backflips. They are so happy. And it's all about storing that memory, putting it in the goal box, and just basically building up the, that box of achievements, so which makes you stronger, more powerful, more influential. And it just it helps you grow as a person. And, and everything else just, just works. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> There's a great little phrase I remember as a, a, a friend of mine. You, you probably know David as well, David Heiner, who said to yeah. me once when I when I was, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm involved with a professional speaking association, and um, we were talking about speaking. I remember him saying to me once, you know, Chris, if you ever warm up in front of the audience, I'll kick your butt. And I, and I always remember I remember that in every situation, you know, not not yeah. to not to have to have to warm up because we we can do that we can go into a meeting can't we and we can we can sit in the meeting we could be like three or four five and gradually as the meeting progresses on we improve but what if we went into that meeting and we were already at a seven or an eight um yeah. or, you know or, or even higher obviously you've got to match the mood of the other people in the room right. but uh, you know performing in every moment is important i think yeah well what, one of my secrets which i share when i'm out speaking we haven't got time to go into this now but it's the anchoring so i can open that gold box in a split second without you even knowing about it and it's all done on an anchor move which when i push my tongue behind my front teeth consciously it literally puts me straight out of 10 excellent so and you wouldn't even know i was doing it so and anytime i ever do that is when i feel intimidated or i'm, I'm coming into a, a situation which is making me might make me feel nervous and I just do that, and it just takes me straight to that very strong place where I feel very strong. <laughs> so, so I, I put my hands behind my back and I hold my left thumb. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one as well. Yeah, it yeah. just the same. I always do it. It's just the same. And so I, I do that, and uh, I, all these emotions and feel positive feelings flood yes. back in, and then I yeah. go for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, do you know what that's NLP? And, and it is NLP. Yeah. And do you know what? There'll be people thinking this is all a bit fluffy. But And I agree, it does sound fluffy, and sometimes I'm embarrassed to say it. However, it's the only thing I've done different, because I've had eight businesses beforehand where I've only just been able to pay the bills, and then I applied this, this process, I only applied it to, 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 to this business, and within two years, I had a million pounds in a business. Yeah. So, so what, <laughs> so what, what I'm, just, I'm just looking at the, the, the time, and yeah. there's a few things I want to ask you about. And I wonder, what, what is your attitude to goal setting then and, and building a roadmap to success? Do you have some, some other – is that your lollipop? It is, it, 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 it is my lollipop system, definitely, yeah. So I, I probably mentioned that earlier because I got off on tangents, Chris. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, the other question. <laughs> so tell us about um, – I know there was something else I read, which was uh, about your shoelace analogy. Do you want to tell us what that is? Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's just basically a little bit of advice, really. Um, I, I class myself as a very naive entrepreneur. Uh, maybe I'm, 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 I'm talking myself down, but um, I am aware of, of the risks – I'm aware of what can go wrong in business. So don't get me wrong, I really, I really am. Um, but I've got, I don't know, an uncanny knack of just ignoring it. I'm very blinkered. So like a child, if you, if this that sounds really, really wrong, but if you were standing on the other side of a busy road with an ice cream and there was a, a five-year-old little girl or a boy and you said, go on, quickly, run over here and I'll give you an ice cream, they would probably run right out in front of the traffic, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah, because it's that whole naive mindset but because they all they want is the ice cream they're not looking at the traffic now okay that's a really really bad <laughs> uh, metaphor to put on it but i'm very much the same i will literally run in the direction i want to go in i will fall over uh, but i don't even think about the fact i'm going to fall over but it's going to happen 
and my shoelaces are coming done. I'll trip over and then I'll get back up again, tie my laces, brush myself off and keep going. But don't think about all the things that can go wrong in your business because if you focus on what can go wrong, then you will achieve what will go wrong. So, so do, do, you, do you ever do contingency planning for things that might go wrong or you just ignore that and you, you get on and just keep focusing on that vision and pushing? I do know contingency. There are contingency plans in my, in my business now, yes, but I, I have nothing to do with them. <laughs> but, 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 but with myself, no, I, I've, I've, I don't, never put contingency plans. I, I have not got the time for it. <laughs> but, but, that, but there are contingency plans in the business, but there are people who work for me who put those into, into action and, or into place. So, so what you've learned to do is, is build the people around you who focus in on the things that you don't naturally focus in on. Yes. Yeah. Literally. I, I, I do things I want to do. It sounds very selfish, but I do things I want to do rather than things that I have to do. There's, there are things that I have to do because I've realized there's, there's things like tax, HMRC, you know, paying bills and everything. But there's other people that do that because it, 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 it bores me. Um, obviously, it sounds like I, I, I'm in a position of luxury where, where I, I can... Um, hand that over to someone else I can delegate that process but I never used to be able to in the early days I had to do everything um, but yeah definitely focus on what you are good at don't do what you don't enjoy I think that's you know, that's it's important isn't it because you know, if for example it was making sales calls that you didn't enjoy then you'd probably make two or three when someone else might make ten in the same day it's a bit of efficiency yeah. thing too isn't it yeah absolutely yeah so what are the what are the key messages Steve that you, you'd like to leave us with Key messages, um, yeah. Well, follow your passions, which we've already cut, which we've already covered. Uh, follow your passions. Don't give up. Uh, be blinkered uh, to any entrepreneurs out there that um, have got um, an idea. And actually, this is something in which which I'm, I feel quite passionate about. Actually, um, a lot of people get um, the whole idea of a, of a, of a sorry the whole thought process of an entrepreneur mixed up. Generally speaking, here. <laughs> I don't want to like, label everyone the same way, but a lot of people think entrepreneurs are the people with the ideas, and it's so not right at all. Because if anything, I'm not an ideas person. Um, I'm very, I'm very good at ta- at listening to someone else's idea, and, and, or coming up with an idea, maybe, and then it's all about turning that into a vision and actually seeing what it could be, and then it's taking that vision and then believing in it, and then the very final step is actually taking action. So so many people, you know, we we know people down the pub who have wonderful ideas, um, and but they never do it, or they have wonderful ideas, they believe they can do it, but then they never take action, which is which is crazy. Um, whereas uh, an entrepreneur, it's vision, belief, take action, and actually make it happen. Put steps into put yeah steps into place to actually make your vision become a reality. And but by the time you put pen on paper and start writing it down, I, it, it looks like it's a an instruction manual that you bought from the shop. It's actually very, very possible. Don't just keep it in your head. Write it down. Steve, it's been absolutely fascinating talking with you today. Lots of ideas and thoughts. I shall certainly be listening back to this recording with a, a pen and paper. Um, I hope you've enjoyed being on the show this afternoon. I've loved it. Thank you very much, Chris. Or this morning, depending on wherever you're listening here yes. in the world. 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, nice way to finish a Friday afternoon. Absolutely. Um, so for more information on Steve Abel, go to www.steveable.co.uk. Um, Steve um, Abel is spelled A-B-E-L. If you have any questions or feedback, please send them to me at chris at com. You can leave them on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash bemoreachievemore. You can subscribe to my newsletter and, and hear about what um, is coming up in future shows. On next, next week, we have David Keane. Uh, David Keane is going to talk to us about um, how to um, pitch successfully and win new business. He's an absolute uh, genius at it. He is a he speaks globally. Um, he is a highly respected international thought leader. Um, so do join me for David Keane. It'll be on my birthday next week, which is the 21st of June. Um, so we should look forward to um, speaking to you again then. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.